Hey, Cal. Did I ever tell you about the story of my making wine? Making wine. Closet what? wine. Wait, excuse me? Closet wine? I, yeah, with a balloon. A, a balloon? Yeah, well, we had gotten a recipe, see, and I made some, but it, well, it exploded in the closet. Well, <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. The, it exploded? Yeah. Well, the balloon blew oh. up. Oh. And it was in my closet. Wait a second. You were fermenting wine in your closet using a balloon and it exploded. Were you, were you of age, first of all? I, I was 15 years old. Gear. What? I thought you were a good kid. <laughs> well, I wasn't. Well, I never got caught. But uh, that particular time, uh, when you got a closet full of clothes, and the balloon wine is well underway, and the balloon breaks, there's no hiding that. You are just, oh, man. So busted. Oh, yes. So busted, yeah. dude. Yeah. What did your mother have to say about that? <laughs> the first question is, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and say, okay, so here's the deal. When you make balloon wine, you get like some sugar. I think it's like four, five, six cups of sugar, a pack of yeast. And if I remember right, it was a big can of Welch's frozen concentrate or a couple of little ones. I don't remember. I mean, this is a couple of years back, right? Mm -hmm. Now, some people throw some raisins in there oh. to help with the fermentation. Oh, you know, no. this is quality stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't recall putting, I don't think we had raisins. They were sun-made raisins. Have to buy that little box. It's another 25 cents. Oh. No. So, but anyway, you put all this in a gallon jug, that, and, and we had gallon jugs from the A&W root beer stand down the street there, and you put that in a gallon jug, and you shake it up, and then you fasten a big balloon over the open top. And it's got to be a big balloon. Because uh, this bad boy, this will make carbon dioxide. And it will blow up the balloon to maybe two or three times the size of that gallon jug. Oh, no. And that's, that's the fermentation process. Yeah, sure. And, and, Absolutely. and as it ferments, it gets foamy on the top. And the foam goes up into the balloon as well. Oh, and it, it's kind of a, a stinky, yeasty smell at that point with a, with a nice little after scent of grape. Oh, I'm getting a headache. And, <laughs> well, it, uh, and then you hide it in your closet so your mom don't find it. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Well, now listen. Listen, everyone. You're getting bridged with Gary and Kelly, and this is the podcast that's light on Duluth history and heavy on the nostalgia. Gare's given away... His recipe, <laughs> oh my goodness, his what, what would it be, 55-year-old recipe for um, closet wine. So, wait. Oh, it's still on the internet. You can look it up. Uh, was it, okay, was it your mom mad at you that you got wine, that this gross fermented yeast wine all over your clothes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my my mother rarely got mad. She, she was such a nice lady, yeah. she, you know. Uh, she mostly laughed, Ugh. and she told Dad, and he laughed too. Oh boy! Uh, they, you know, they because I was a good kid. Yeah, if this is what you're getting up to, they <laughs> they're gonna think it's hilarious. They should have just let you go to school with the the, the yeasty grape clothes. That's what they should have done. That's punishment enough. It's uh, embarrassing. No, it, it, it was actually on the side of the closet that I didn't go into that much. It probably had some, uh, you know, off-season jackets and. Maybe a suit that didn't fit and things Off like that. Off-season jackets. 
Well, we were rich. Yes, obviously. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Well, this is a side of you that is fascinating and terrible. Um, what other bad kid things were you getting up to? I, I didn't do a lot of bad kid things. And I, mm-hmm. I will give you an after shot on the wine that we actually uh, had some for our graduation, and we didn't drink the entire gallon. Uh, there was some that was left over. I put it in a Fresca bottle and hid it in a corner of my folks' basement. And my dad, when he was retired, was cleaning down there, and he finds this Fresca bottle with an odd cap on it. And, and he asks me, and this has got to be like 10, 15 years later, oh, what is this? Oh, no. So, oh, my God, it's my wine. Oh, <laughs> and no. uh, we did the only thing we could. We drank it, and it, it was surprisingly good after oh, all those on. years. Surprisingly good. Like, the bar is so low. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I am not a connoisseur of wine. I could be called a common sewer of wine. Oh, no, you didn't. But that, you know, that wasn't a, a terrible thing, no, I don't think. No, uh, is there anything... Um, my friends, you have to confess. We're in the we, confessional booth. We're not we, Catholic, uh, but here we are. Well, you know, it's good mm-hmm. for the soul, nonetheless. Right. Uh, I I have always been into visual and audio things, and you know, a radio station, uh, video, photography, things like that have always been my thing. And I mean, even here we are today, talking through all this electronic stuff going on the internet. I am still fascinated by it. It's great. And and when I was about that same age, uh, my friend and I set up a, a radio station. A radio in, station. In my bedroom. Uh, in say, your bed? The brewery. <laughs> <laughs> you, had a regular, you had a regular downtown going a on in your downtown, bed. yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, we, we built the uh, mixer. We had a turntable. We had a tape recorder. We had, and, and we had this little transmitter. And it would actually transmit over AM radio uh, 1440, 1460 on your radio dial, Radio KRUM. Uh, We were there. Um, And this was, of course, uh, you got a license through the FCC to do this. Oh, any darn fool can get a license. Okay. (laughs) Oh, no, no. No, this was a very low-power legal thing, you know. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it, it was at a time when... Uh, you could build, actually build electronic things. Yeah. Uh, we would go to Northwest Radio downtown. And Northwest Radio, of course, that was the wholesaler for all of the TV repairmen. And if you fix TVs, you would go there, and that's where you would buy your parts, your tubes, your capacitors, all the things you needed to fix. Uh, so that was the wholesale level. And if you were an amateur radio operator, uh, you could go there because they sold amateur radio stuff. And anything, TV, you see, back in the old days, Kel, uh, they actually fixed TVs. Oh, instead of just letting them rot in the junk pile. That's Mm -hmm. right. And and he'd come to the house in the truck, and he'd be carrying these two suitcases full of God knows what parts from Northwest Radio. Ah, Which was, it was on First Street. Oh, Northwest Radio. You mean the the building that was constructed in 1950 by Gilliasen and Ellingson, uh, the architects. Yeah, there was a little small t- two-story addition that was put up in 1953, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was the address is 123 East First Street, which is um, nearish the old Wabasha Books. 
Oh, it wasn't Wabash. I no, it wasn't that. No, oh, no, 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 no. It was by that across although, the street. Although it was just a few doors down from the cozy, and the cozy was the cozy <laughs> even in those days. Yes, 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 yes. And it, um, yeah, it, uh, well, it doesn't exist there anymore. It's just oh a no, no, lot. the building is long gone. Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, uh, the evolution into uh, buying things online through the mail. You know, if Northwest Radio had it for a hundred bucks, uh, you could buy it from Allied Radio for ninety-five, and people would buy. You know, go look at it at Northwest Radio, and then buy it at Allied, Allied out of Chicago, and it comes shipped to you and all that. So that you know, even in those days, uh, uh, the brick mortar uh, thing was die starting to die. Sure, uh, it was an awesome place. Anything you needed uh, to fix. Uh, electronic things were available there you could buy a picture too uh radios little five tube radios uh they all when they started to hum they needed a capacitor and it was a 50 plus 30 at 150 mfd capacitor and they were 49 cents a pop wow nobody had, knows what you're talking had about had a big right old now. box full of them and a box full of things well anyway yep <laughs> I digress. <laughs> it was well, good times. It so you, truly was. So you had this radio station. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And what, did you, you played the hits, I assume, or did you do talk radio? We. Oh, no, no, no. I can't talk that much. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, no. We Well, we had a turntable. <gasps> and uh, the Beatles, you know, they kept coming out with uh, new albums. And uh, we actually could uh, record uh, the uh, transmission and run the recorder that would be playing the stuff, playing the songs, playing our yabber, yammering back and forth uh, between the songs. And uh, we could then take a radio and walk around the block and see how far the transmitter was going. And you could you could walk uh, <laughs> as far as you needed to. But it was swell. We were the only ones on the block that were doing that, I guarantee you. Yeah. Um, and, and we could do the news. And we did the news uh, when the uh, Evening Herald, we had the, the Morning News Tribune and then the, the Herald at uh, about 3 o'clock, the paper boy would drop it off. So you'd take the Herald and you could just read the headlines, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and yeah. if you were uh, full of it, uh, you could essentially do the news, uh, turn the page and read a couple ads about uh, hamburger being 88 cents a pound down there at the local market. What? Get, you did free down. advertising? Oh, sure. Well, if you charge for it, I'm sure there was some kind of a law against that. Yeah, that's that, true. Good but point. if you did it for free, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, what the heck? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. All right. So it was great fun. We uh, uh, we learned a lot doing that and satisfied our need to uh, uh, put together audio things and make them work. And it, was, it was a good little hobby. It was a good pastime for a summer or so. All right, but... It's good but, stuff. Uh, it seems sketchy a little bit. I mean, did you do anything wholesome? <laughs> I, <laughs> come on. Yes, of course I did. What? I did. Um, I, well, uh, like I say, I, I was into uh, video, uh, which was tough at the time. I mean, a video camera, a little black and white video camera, that would be the holy grail. Mm. I have no idea what the heck you'd do with one. But, you know, it was always one of those things that would be cool. But I did have a camera. A camera. And, uh, you know, a little Instamatic. Mm -hmm. And... I expressed a little bit of interest in photography, and uh, my folks uh, bought me the rudimentary stuff to uh, develop the negatives in a little enlarger that I could print then my pictures. 
and I really enjoyed it. And I um, there, there was a place down on First Street and, oh, man, 2nd Avenue West, maybe 3rd Avenue. I think it was 3rd Avenue West. On the corner, Yoho Photo. Uh, Yoho. Trevor Yoho was a gentleman who owned it. Mm-hmm. And he had everything you needed uh, to develop pictures. Only black and white. It was very expensive to do color in those days. And it's to this day, it's difficult to do color pictures. But black and whites, to actually be able to take a picture uh, and have that photograph, I could do it within an hour, was absolutely astounding at the time because normally you take a picture, you take your film down to the Newman's Rexall drugstore and give it to them, and those are picked up uh, Mondays and Thursdays and brought to the place downtown where they develop it, and then they bring your pictures back in a week or so. Mm-hmm. And half of them didn't turn out for one reason or another. I mean, to be able to actually do your own pictures. That was awesome. That is really awesome. I mean, I'm certainly old enough to remember bringing my film into Target or whatever oh, it sure. was. And you could do you could do the hour photo thing and pay an arm and a leg, or you'd have to wait a couple of days. Or you wait. Yeah, and that was astounding uh, service at that time. Can you even buy film today? I haven't the foggiest idea. I, I haven't looked. I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't know for sure. Uh, but at Yoho Photo, we... T- my friend Bob and I took a class in, in developing pictures, so we, you know, had professional advice on how to do it. And uh, I did uh, pony up. I don't know where I got the money, uh, but I bought uh, a 35-millimeter camera. Mm-hmm. All right? It wasn't an SLR. Uh, SLR means you are looking directly through the lens that's going to take the picture. It was a rangefinder, and it was an Argus C3 and it was of World War II and or Korean War vintage. Uh, the thing was, it had a iron case. Uh, they used to uh, brag about it because they would drive a car over an Argus C3, <laughs> and it would still take good pictures. <laughs> and I was fortunate because it was one of the uh, more modern versions, and I could put a uh, strobe-type flash on it, so I didn't have to use flash bulbs. Not a strobe flash. Oh, oh yeah, it was high-tech. It oh, was yes. good. It was awesome, um, and it was uh, it was a great camera. And I, I later did did uh, trade it in for a slightly better Petri camera uh, because they had a better lens. And it really it took awesome photos uh, by today's standards standards as good as anything uh, that's out there today. But uh, it was. It was really cool. It was just a good time. I was able to take my pictures. I was the uh, photographer for the school paper mm. uh, for the three years that I was at Denfeld. And with that uh, came a license to uh, roam the halls. Ooh, and, uh, I best would, license ever. All, all I needed was a camera, you know. You walk along with the camera, and, you know, the principal, uh, uh, he'd say, oh, going to take some pictures. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. uh, you know. And I was probably uh, going to see my girlfriend uh, up in the band room, uh, but, you know. You uh, mean your girlfriend and current wife of 50 years? 50 years. I'm not hardly that old. I know, right? But, yes. I'm not. Yes. they say that's a good thing Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah yeah that little argus c3 that uh that launched everything that that made it awesome yeah that uh that i hear that that was called the brick 
the brand. Yeah, it yeah, was I, because I of suppose. how it looked. It was very popular during. Uh, it was produced between 1939 and 1966, and there's a, a cool article I read by a, a gal called Jill Waterman called my dad's Argus C3, actually. <laughs> and she said that people really liked the, that the camera had a very scientific look with all the little silver knobs and doodads. Oh, it did. Do you it like did. the doodads? It, it, well, it worked. Oh, right. <laughs> it was uh, simple, very functional. Oh, yeah, mine was... Uh, like I say, a little bit later model, so it had a little bit better lens mm -hmm. than the uh, early uh, 1940s version. And yeah, I, well, see, I had to trade it into Yoho to get my my new camera. Oh boy! And he, well, he probably give me five bucks for it, you know. Five dollars. So, oh sure. Oh boy. Um, I probably paid twenty five for the Petri. I don't, <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. remember for sure. And actually, uh, uh, your Uncle Earl ended up with the Petri. Oh, is that and, right? And I may still have it somewhere around here. Okay. But, Classic. you know, what am I going to do with it, right? I mean, I have, resurgence. I have a, a cell phone that takes exponentially better pictures than that camera ever took. Well, sometimes people like to putz. They like to futz around with that. They like it's kind of like a stick shift oh, in a geez. car. Like why would you like why would you ever do do that? And it's like cuz I have control. I have control. Oh yes, well you take out the camera, you take the light meter and you calculate based on the type of film you have how long your shutter should be open and what how open the lens should be and then you determine the distance and you can look through the rangefinder determine how far away well whatever you're going to take a picture of is long gone yeah i'm sorry what what <laughs> i just stopped listening <laughs> there i just i don't know that, what happened that's exactly the problem yeah, all right point and shoot so wait, what would oh. grandpa say i got to get a picture of this where's my phone he'd think you're not exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> All right, so, okay. Yes. All right, so we've got the balloon line, we've got the radio, yeah. we've got the pitcher. Weren't you in any sports? No, no, I, no. I didn't, never really uh, particularly cared about being in any sports. Uh, our family, you know, my immediate family, didn't care one lick, lick about sports. No sports. Uh, I was playing football in, uh, in gym when I was a sophomore, and uh, I ran into somebody, broke my collarbone. That's about my only uh, sports experience. Oh, no. <laughs> that, uh, boy, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, you break your collarbone. That's a, that's a bummer because you don't, like, there's nothing you can really do no, about it. No, you still got to breathe. You got to be careful with, yeah. with that. If you lay on a bed, it it pushes both your shoulders up and makes it hurt. Yeah, it was not a good time. So what? There, so no sports. So I was I was discouraged, you know, about participating. However, in the sports world... Uh, we had uh, wrestling. Like school wrestling. AWA wrestling, KMSP, Channel 9. And it was actually shown, I think, on Channel 3 maybe here, maybe Channel 10. But it came from uh, uh, the cities, uh, Channel 9 Studios, uh, down somewhere in the cities, would, uh, would carry the wrestling show. Oh. And... Uh, oh, geez. Wait, you're talking like World Wrestling Federation, the WWF, one of my favorite things as a kid, like Hulk Hogan? Well, yeah, it, it was those same people that were around, just like that, sure. Wait, 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 like the time Uncle sure. Tracy brought us to the deck when I was like eight and we saw Andre the Giant and Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who had the coolest mullet on the planet? <laughs> yes, exactly like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> but, but this was, you know, the boys were probably uh, 20 years younger. Yeah. Those same guys. Sure. And it was on TV, and, and for... For them, it was local TV, 
And when they do their weekly broadcast, um, in black and white, of course, uh, there were card table folding chairs around the squared circle. Yes. And then it was dark behind there because, well, there was nothing. It was the studio wall. Right. (laughs) But it gave you the illusion of being, and it was lit like it was in some kind of big arena. Mm. And, oh, they'd wrestle, you know, and, and Vern Gagne. Vern Gagne was the champion. Yes. Now, he was an older guy, looked pretty out of shape. However, he sold vitamins that seemed to sponsor the whole darn operation Interesting. there. Interesting. So you sure don't want that guy to be the loser, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you yep. know, his vitamins is what made him tough. Well, for sure. Ver- and, and Vern Gagne, he was not only the world champion, he actually owned the AWA franchise with Willie Wally Carbo. Oh, did he? Yeah. And if you okay, look, if you look up a picture of Vern Gagne, I looked up a picture of Vern Gagne, of course, and he <laughs> looks like your accountant. I mean, he's like this middle-aged man. <laughs> like, it's crazy, you know, like, isn't it? You, you, you do that little, uh, you do a little clothesline action or whatever, and then you come on down and I got my W-2 set for you. You can do my, yeah. get that into the government by April 15th. Yeah, I'll I'd give really you an air, airplane that. spin and uh, <laughs> <laughs> throw you on the mat and you know, do your taxes. Exactly. Here's your, and then I'll hand you your calculator and make guy. it happen for sure. And of course, you know, you watch that and you always knew uh, you know, on the TV show, who was going to get the snot kicked out of him? Oh, for you sure. Know? It's the very capable Kenny Yates. <laughs> who the heck is that? <laughs> but he was described as the very capable, which means, you know, he's not going to be permanently injured. He won't walk with a limp from this point on. He'll be okay. You know? <laughs> and, and on it would go and they'd throw each other around. And then they'd have the uh, interview after the match. Mm-hmm. And, and the wrestler... Uh, would come out all sweaty, you know. Oh, yes. And they'd be interviewed by, uh, oh, shoot, I don't remember the guy's name. Um, but anyway, this guy looked like, uh, these guys were huge standing yeah. next to him. Right. Marty O'Neill was his name. Oh, Marty O'Neill. Marty. Well, you know, Marty. Yeah. You know, you get all that stuff. And thank God these guys are big. And w- my friend, uh, my friends and I would go down to the deck to watch them mm-hmm. in the day. And one day, when we were walking around the circumference of the arena there, here comes Marty O'Neill our way. <gasps> Dennis, that's Marty O'Neill. Yeah. Yeah. And and Marty walks by. I don't know that the man cleared five feet tall. Okay. Really? <laughs> he went to, he's just a little feller. And, well, I guess that's what everybody looks like a giant standing I next thought, to him. I thought for sure you were going to say that you you came across one of these, these interviews happening and the giant wrestlers were actually standing on boxes. No. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> No, Marty kind of looked like he was standing in a hole, actually. All right, all right. That, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was it was good fun, and, I mean, you remember it. And, uh, you know, uh, one of my friends and I, we, we got pretty good at doing the wrestling stuff. Nobody could give anybody the airplane spin, and I'll certainly give it its due. Yeah. Anybody who can pick up a 300-pound, 250-pound guy and spin him around his head, you got my respect. It's That's, good. That is <laughs> it's good. That I don't care good. what you do from there. Even if it is fully conscious John Brown who's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, going yeah. up against the Iron Sheik. The which, Iron. by the way, this is fascinating. So many of our, the famous wrestlers from the 80s got their start at in the AWA, including, of course, Hulk Hogan and Mr. Perfect, Dusty Rhodes, and of the Iron Sheik, and our own... Jesse the Body Ventura oh, got his right. started at the yeah. AWA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yeah. It was it, 
I mean, oh, yeah. Man. Eventually, the WWF squeezed it out of business in 1991, but... They did, okay. Yep, okay. good times until then, huh? It, it was... Yeah, we, uh, my folks and I went to Atlanta when I was 15 years old, that, you know, the age of wine, mm. and uh, I had wondered what had happened to some of the wrestlers that had been on, on TV here, and, and they just kind of faded away, and they had wrestling on in Atlanta, and I watched, ah, they were making the circuit, just going around the country. Apparently, one of the big, tough guys just kind of liked being down south in the winter, and you know. Uh, so, yeah, they, they made their rounds, Yep. and they'd come back, and there was never an explanation for anybody being gone or no explanation for the return, just that uh, they were going to kick the bejesus out of the very capable Kenny Yates again. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It was a it was a a fun world. It but, is fun. I wonder. I always wonder too if those if like Kenny Yates eventually became like you know the the steel fist and like ended up uh, transitioning into actually something. I not that I know of. Okay. Yep. They just <laughs> he maybe good, they became accountants. He made a good living <laughs> doing it. What the heck? Good fun. Absolutely. Okay. Well, this has all been very fascinating. But um, and, and so uh, generally, of the four hobbies, which were again balloon wine, developing pictures in your dark room, having a, a pirate radio station, or watching wrestling, which would you be most likely to do today? Um, probably the radio station. The radio. Oh. Yeah. Here we are. Weird. Here Weird. we are. Uh, that's yes. so. I, I can't. But that's we're sitting shocking. in a place where all we got have to do is have an outlet, and and really, right now, we kind of do, don't we? Did you want to hear something off the top 40? I mean, <laughs> what do you got off the top 40? Because I'd love to see what uh, you would come up with for that. <laughs> well, I'm talking the 1969 top oh, 40. Oh, oh, okay. There is no, there hasn't been any we don't music have, listen, since then, really. We don't have time for that because we have a question for Ask a Duluthian. Oh, okay, are you do ready? you know of any Duluthians? I know a couple. Here we go. All right, hit it. Um, the question is, Gary Kelly, I am not a super outdoorsy person. And it seems like all anyone talks about when we talk about Duluth is the superior hiking trail, all the parks that are there, and the lake. Should I still visit? Well, of course you should. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't come and spend your tax, your tourist dollars with us. <laughs> why would you not do that? Of course you would. Um, it It's just a beautiful city overall. And if you want to uh, just have a nice place to hang out, some beautiful scenery... Uh, you come in off Thompson Hill, and it really, it's a view that um, you don't get many places. Just hanging out in the Canal Park area is nice. There's some good sightseeing attractions that don't involve hoofing down the trail. Right. And I'll go to Glensheen. Check that out. Go up the North Shore. There's lots of good little businesses and shops. There's oh, antique yes. stores. Uh, that uh, they're just there for you. Yep, shopping, it, it, my a, friends. It's a nice place. Yeah, believe me, lots of good little places, local businesses that you can support uh, with your, <laughs> with um, finding some pretty cool stuff. Good restaurants. There's some good food yes, around here. Really uh, quality. And this this city Thanks. has worked very hard at becoming a, a nice tr tourist attraction, and I believe they've been successful with it. It it truly is a nice place. Yeah, you don't have to go for a run or go for a big hike or just spend a bunch of time 
outside if that's not your jam. There's that's plenty right. of plenty of cool historical sorts of things to check out. And if you really um, need a touch of what um, you might experience in your own hometown, you could head on up to the Miller Hill Mall area and go to Target. That's right. We have we have good shopping like that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Kel. Yes, I think I the bridge is oh, the come. bridge is coming coming back down. So. Right. I do have to say that the Getting Bridged podcast is researched and written by Kelly Halston Erickson, remembered and recorded by Jerry Halston at the compound here on Park Point, produced by Jerry Halston and Kelly Halston Erickson, so we have no one to blame but ourselves. Sources are compiled at rss.com slash podcasts slash gettingbridged. And you can ask questions and comment on our episodes on Instagram at gettingbridged. Or joining our Facebook group by searching Getting Bridged Podcast. And by emailing us at gettingbridged at gmail.com. Special thanks to Mary and Dan, you know who you are, and to the many people in our lives for whom reminiscing is a varsity sport. See you next time. <laughs>